She's a doctor. Hi, I'm Dr. Dovek, and she's a dietitian. Hey, I'm Hannah Schuyler, and together we are the, the Doctor Dietitian Collab. Hello, hello. And we are back, and today we are going to be talking about carbs. Ooh. Why does that feel like a dirty word? I know. It's right up there with the F word. Ah. Mm. You know what, though? It's not a dirty word. It's Coming not. Coming at you live from the dietitian herself. Wow. Carbs are not bad. No, they're not. And they are also in this family of macros. So right. we've talked about protein, 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 protein. I believe that was episode three. We talked about the F word, which was fat. And now we're going to dive into carbs. And a lot of people are very, very afraid of them and they're ca- the carb police, if you will, especially oh in these gosh. support groups. Yes, the support groups are no joke about the carbohydrates, which there's that actual term for them. And sometimes I think people get confused between carbs and carbohydrates and sugars and what are all of those things. So like you said, it is a macronutrient a little nerd moment. It provides four calories per gram, which is the same as protein. And I think that's what's funny is people think that carbs like don't, I don't know, like they, they're just going to make you fat. Like they give you so much more. No, they give you the same amount of calories as as protein does and less than fat. And there's and there's just so many things here to even talk about. When you look at calories, it's almost like the same thing, though, that not all calories are created equal because, like you said, four kilocalories, which is a calorie, mm-hmm. it equals per gram of protein is the same exact amount of calories or energy that you're going to get from the protein. Right. And so then when we look at the macronutrient distribution or your macros that you might hear people talk about or you might have your macros set – that's all that they're talking about is that how much of each one are they having. That's something that cracks me up, though, with carbs specifically and how you know that people, a lot of people, and especially like I see like fitness influencers or weight loss, like people that aren't necessarily qualified to be giving advice, they'll be like, oh, well, this food is macro friendly. Mm. And basically all they're saying is it's low carb. And I'm like, you don't know my macro distribution. (laughs) You don't know what my macros are. Maybe I'm on a keto diet and I need it to be super high fat and this would not be macro friendly. Or maybe I'm on a high carb, low protein diet. I'm a kidney patient. Maybe that's my macro. So that one cracks me up. I see it all the time. Oh, my gosh. That's so personal. My macro distribution is for me and me alone to know. Exactly. Would you ever reveal yours? What is your macro distribution? I don't have one. I try to just eat like basically the plate method of eating, which is like, you know, dietitians always give the most boring advice. And that's why I think we don't always get traction because it's just like it's just balance, like some protein, some veggies, some I do eat carbs, like you know, um, this is actually airing, I believe should be airing during my honeymoon to Italy. <laughs> and so you best believe your girl's eating carbs. Oh my gosh, in reason. Italy? Really? You need carbs in Italy? The main reason I'm going. <laughs> well, I mean, live a little, slip, yeah. don't slide. We have these mantras. Yeah. So when you look at the balanced plate, I'm curious, like what percentage would you like roughly estimate it on the old eyeball test that your plate should look like? About a quarter would be those like Generally, you want to try to go for those more complex carbs. So thinking whole grains, thinking, um, you know, our starchy vegetables, and we can talk through kind of what the difference is in all of those. So that would be what you aim for. Fruit would be another source of carb you could put on the plate. Half your plate would be your non-starchy vegetables. And then that last quarter of your plate would be your high-protein food. That is the my plate, um, like USDA guidelines. Very easy to follow. Kind of replaced the pyramid. Oh, the food guide pyramid. Um, food guide pyramid, which Man. was like all carbs. Remember that the base, the foundation, the 
building block of this bad boy pyramid was six to 11 servings of carbs per day. Yeah. Man. And for some people, that's necessary. Like if you look at athletes, you look at people who are doing really intense training and stuff like that, they have these really high carb needs, which again is why it's funny when you see fitness influencers pushing like super low carb diets and you're like, you're not going to get muscle recovery on that super low carb diet. And that can be really challenging for bariatric patients who then want to explore fitness and more intense exercise as well. We get a lot of requests about that, about Mm -hmm. these, um, you know, patients, people in general, they they commit to it and they really love their fitness routines. And we have people who do resistance training, bodybuilding. That's really hot in the the bariatric community. We've seen some of our influencers who've competed and um, wow, that's remarkable stuff. And then you have um, others who like to do long distance um, endurance type mm-hmm. running marathons, a 5Ks. I see some of our patients who just like fall in love with it. Oh, yeah. And and how do they how do they really just fuel their bodies to be able to um, sustain it and continue to improve in their, their own personal goals and, and how they do it? I mean, you need carbs. Carbs. That's it. And and we can I think we'll touch on that for sure later. And honestly, this is a place where there are experts in the field that talk about this stuff all the time. And I'd love to like collaborate with some of them because it is like such a growing thing. I think we're seeing more and more of the bariatric patient is changing from the classic what we, you know, used to see. And we're getting more people who want this and they want to do the surgery and get into their best fitness and health. And then, but then they end up in this place where they just don't know what to do. I know. And I know we're going to have probably a full episode, like you said, with a guest and just like, we're going to collaborate with different experts in it. But, you know, I think about some of my patients who never really imagined that they would get into these sorts of um, extreme fitness and these different, these different sports and this almost this, we'll talk also about this in an episode about transfer of addictions and how it is this this thing that you don't see. And I get asked all the time, when should I incorporate exercise? And again, we'll have this whole exercise episode, but I just want to touch on this very briefly. I think that in the beginning, if you don't know what to do, don't really feel like doing it, you feel like your weight will actually cause you to get injured in in terms of like, okay, well, if I go on the treadmill now, I might bust up my knee that's already sore anyway, that needs a knee replacement, I need to lose weight first, whatever. I think that you need to just forgive yourself and, and just allow yourself grace that it will come when the time is right. And sometimes that's not in the beginning of your journey. So yeah, and sometimes people will push really hard early on after their surgery, and then they're figuring out why they're tired, why they're sore, why they're not recovering. And it's because early after surgery, you really probably don't have the capacity to mm. to fuel your workouts, especially if you're doing longer workouts. Anything, you know, especially you think an hour or longer, early on you may not have the ability to truly fuel those kinds of workouts. And so you, in theory, could be doing more harm than good. And you do hear about people getting injured and ending up, you know, on the couch for a couple days because they push themselves a little too hard. It's because you really can't. You're still st- you're you're still learning how to eat. You're still so focused on protein. Your restriction is so tight mm. that in those couple months, I would say that yeah, if you can't work out, and a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, it's ten days out, and I still can't work out. It's like it's totally fine. Yes. It's totally fine. Yes. Give oh. it a, even a couple months. Comparison is the theft of joy. Yep. We say it all the time. So sometimes those support groups, they mean well, but ooh, don't compare yourselves. And remember what we're saying here, carbs are going to be the star of the show today that you might need them to fuel your recovery. Mm-hmm. 
And we're also going to talk a little bit about this whole thing of the different types of carbs, but also how you can calculate them based on a label with the net carbs and the understanding of when you subtract fiber and sugar alcohol. So I want you to really just explain this so that at a glance, you're on the, on the fly. We always say if you don't have your your food scales, if you don't have like your your MyFitnessPal or whatever you're using to break down that macro distribution, that you're going to be able to, at a glance, very conveniently make it that balanced diet that you talked about. For sure. And so with that, I want to start with the different types of carbs because that is another thing that I think gets really confusing. And again, it's carbs, it's carbohydrates, and then a type of carb would be sugar. Mm. And a lot of people get very confused on what's the difference between sugar and carbs. And realistically, there isn't one. Um, Now, that being said, there are different types of carbs. And basically, it all boils down to their complexity. So we have our simple carbs, our mono and disaccharides. Okay. Um, get ready. We're gonna ready. Oh my so gosh. So like that would be like our table, our table sugar, sucrose, um, glucose um, is like the most basic, uh, and then lactose, for instance, in mm. milk is a disaccharide. So basically, what that means is a monosaccharide is one little sugar molecule. It's just like a little chain of carbons and 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 um, hydrogen and oxygen. A disaccharide would be two of those stuck together. Then you have our poly and oligo, uh, oligosaccharides. Oh, yes. Clearly I can speak today. Um, so those are going to be like longer rings, longer chains. That would be what we would think of like our more complex type of carbohydrates. Um, so like things that are found in plants are cellulose and and um, other other things like that. So When we think about our simple ones, and this is where we really find a lot of times it's sometimes the added sugars. So again, it's going to be like our table sugar. It's going to be in our sugar-sweetened beverages. Um, You know, fruit juices would be a simple sugar because they're super easy for our bodies to break down. Things that trick people up are going to be the sugar substitutes that Mm. have... Not, but not the low-calorie sugar substitutes. The one that people think, oh, it's more natural because it's not white sugar. So you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I get this question all the time, and it's it's constant about this. Yeah. So like honey, honey, for instance, is basically the equivalent of eating plain table sugar. That's not to say honey is bad or anything like that, but people will be like, oh, well, I don't use sugar. I use honey. I'm like, okay, great. So you use sugar. It just has some flavor to it. Yeah. Or um, agave syrup is another one that, you know, has this health halo maple syrup. They're all just added sugar. And that's where we do tend to recommend that people try to really limit and avoid that added sugar. Again, super early on after surgery can really make you feel sick too. High oh, levels yeah. of uh, of sugar in general. So then we move on to our more complex. So this is going to be things like our fruits, our vegetables, our starchy vegetables, our whole grains. Those are going to be our more complex carbohydrates. And basically, that just means that they're harder for our bodies to break down. They're not going to cause – the simple sugars tend to cause that big spike in blood sugar. Mm. And that can then cause hunger. It causes these all these other metabolic things. You know, if you just listened to our four-part series a couple weeks ago, we talk about this with these medications helping to reduce that spike in blood sugar, helping to reduce that insulin response, all of that. So when we go with our more complex carbs, you don't get that same response. Yeah. So let's let's go back for a second mm-hmm. to the simple carbs. Yeah. Sugar. There is so I have a pre-op education system. It's called Nutri Health. And in it, that you patients will be prepared for surgery with it. They'll watch a brief video. They'll read more information. They'll take a quiz. So we have one on 
carbs and we have one on sugar. And I have a lot of different, because any program anywhere can use this and any patient anywhere can use this also to prepare themselves. And when you're looking at the sugar one, I get the most pushback from my registered dietitian colleagues and friends um, about that because we say on there that sugar is toxic. Mm -hmm. And we also have that you should try to um, total some for the entire day, do less than a total of 15 grams of added sugar. And that's what I believe is the best evidence base. But I mean, the dietitians they don't like the word toxic and they don't like that um, recommendation. What do you honestly think? I don't like the word toxic when it comes to food just because toxic things like kill you. And mm-hmm. in theory, unless you have diabetes or like blood sugar metabolism issues, like sugar isn't going to kill you. Toxic to me should be used for things like poisons. Like if it needs a label on it and it needs to be in that folder of dangerous things or you have to put a lock on the cabinet so your kids don't get it, to me that's toxic. Okay. And then the other thing is that the diet diet industry and all these – again, it's all these influencers and, you know, the guys that have the videos of them yelling in the grocery store. I can't stand (laughs) those ones. Imagine if you saw somebody recording that. Oh, God. Am I, like, legally allowed to smack the phone out of his hand and feel like you're... Would that be assault? Is that a felony? I'm not quite sure, Hannah. (laughs) But they use... They throw the word toxic around like it just doesn't mean anything anymore. And so, to me, that's, like, part of the frustration is that word has really just gotten so twisted and, like, so far from what it really is. As far as the 15 grams of sugar, added sugar... I think it's always good to – people always want a baseline. They always want a guideline to look at, and they want to know what should I aim for. And I think being able to provide something like that is fine because it's what people want. And especially when they're in this world where there are so many conflicting opinions. And research is – nutrition research is young It Hmm. compared to a lot of other sciences. And it's really hard to do good nutrition research because – like we eat every single day. So to have like placebo controlled double blind studies, it's just not mm. really possible because people are just outliving their lives or or it's a really short term study. So you get all these different opinions because we're just doing based off of what we've read and what we know and what we've seen clinically and our experience. So but so you hear all these different things. So think if we can give people that guideline and if they're not perfect with it, that's fine. Like aim for it. Again, like we're not we're not aiming for for perfection all the time. Um, but I think it's also important because once you start to look at where the added sugar is, there's a lot more of it than we realize. Ooh, yeah. So if it has a label, make sure you read it because yeah. that has to be required in this entire journey because mm-hmm. you might be shocked that something um, – there's this like truffled honey that I put on cheese and like a charcuterie board. It's fabulous um, tasting. Sounds really good. It's so good. Um, and, you know, but then it's just like, whoop, look at that little like little, uh, you know, glass little bottle that comes in and you always see that. Uh, there's a reason why it's so good. And sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, you can eat a little bit of it here and there. But I also am a firm believer in that sometimes you just cannot consume certain things because you'll just you just can't stop. Yeah. And I don't think that some, some there's some foods you can't do in moderation. And we've talked about this before, but I am absolutely a cherry coke um addict. Mm-hmm. Addict and I cannot drink it. I cannot. Yeah. And I think that when you look again at the bariatric population, there is probably a lot of food addiction and disordered eating and binge eating disorder and things like that 
that have to be taken into consideration that for some people, yes, going cold turkey on those types of foods is going to be the best thing. Plus, if we look at from a pre-op perspective, if they're doing that preparation and they're saying, I'm going to go on this low-carb, low-sugar, very low-added sugar diet, and that's preparing them for kind of meals that they can choose after surgery, they already know a little about what they're doing. They have some experience doing that. To me, that's a big part of why that pre-op diet is helpful. Yeah. Just kind of gets you ready, get your mindset there. So then you're not like afterwards like, oh, gosh, I don't know what to eat because you've done it at least for a couple weeks. Yeah. So what do you think about the whole um, phenomenon of the last meal? You know, I surprisingly don't get people asking me about that a lot. I don't know if they're just not telling me. Um, and a lot of, you know, they go through new tries, so they don't always see me either. Mm-hmm. Um I feel like I would want to do it. I understand the sentiment of it, but I also think, oh gosh, if you just did this for three, and if you were really good on the diet for three weeks and then you're going to go have the one meal, I don't know that it's going to really like, I don't know what it's going to do to your liver, how much storage you're going to just put all of that back into the liver, which is part of the diet too. It shrinks the liver up. Yeah. Um. So it's almost like I feel like you should do that. If you're going to do it, do it three weeks, you know, do it before your pre-op diet, whatever yes. that is for you. Um. And, and enjoy it then. But also remember that the, the surgery isn't – this diet isn't forever. Eventually, you're going to be able to eat your favorite foods again. Yes. Yeah, that's my thoughts on it. I feel like the last meal and, like, you know, eating a ton of, like – especially if it's, like, high sugar. Yeah. If you start to follow this, the first few days, man, they're going to be brutal because mm-hmm. it is sort of like you're withdrawing from this drug of sorts, yeah. you know. And it's and it's really difficult, especially if that was just your habit, your routine. Your, you need that. You, you just, you know, it's part of, like, I watch TV and I do this and that whole thing. But I also agree, like – once you kind of start the ball rolling, like, don't stop it. Like, just let it keep going and you'll feel good. And don't look at this as a last meal or a punishment or you're going to, like, never be able to enjoy food again. I think that's the number one reason I do more than any other reason why people decide that they do not want bariatric surgery is because they just worry about, like, it's too much of a food funeral. Like, they yeah. just are going to lose these things forever. Eating dry chicken and oh, steamed gosh. broccoli for the rest of my oh, life. Those are two foods I would not even recommend. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. we, we talked about the moist cuts of the meat, the maybe the dark meat, yeah. the the broccoli. Man, we already said, like, stay away from that, guys. A little PSA here. Like, stay broccoli away, especially tricky. in the early. Yes. Especially raw broccoli. Raw broccoli. <laughs> don't do it in the first month after surgery or oh, six gosh, weeks no. at least. Please don't. Please don't. Yeah. I've seen it get stuck at the JJ in the bypass. I already told you guys, like, beware, beware. Beware of broccoli. Seriously. Okay, so we have simple carbs. That's mainly the sugar. Tell me some other, like, very classic foods that would be um, in that simple carb, sugary type thing. Yeah, so it, then it would be, like, um, like pretzels, like mm. snack kind of foods. Oh, yeah, the trifecta of yes. doom. Now, see, here's an interesting, though, because I know you have popcorn on your trifecta of doom. I do. Popcorn's a whole grain because it's corn. Oh, it's gosh. A whole corn kernel. Oh, gosh. Don't and tell so, people this because then they just eat too much popcorn. I know. I, I would, too. I'm a huge popcorn addict. That's another food I have to stay away from. Yeah. and But I think it's good to know that because it does – it has fiber in it. Like popcorn, if you compared like popcorn to pretzels, popcorn does have fiber and it's super – filling like per cup. So like a pup, cup of popcorn has like 30 calories or something in it. Um, but for some people, they can eat a, obviously way more than a cup. It's like air. You can eat yeah. infinite amounts. Like that's why they have these enormous tubs when you go to the movies. And I 
I used to go with my dad and my sister and myself. So the three of us, we would go to the Dollar Movie Night in Weirton, West Virginia at the Weirton Plaza, all right? And then you would see movies that had come out, oh, I don't know, two to three years ago, but oh, it was yeah. like the cutting edge thing because it was the only movie theater in West Virginia around, all right? So we would go there and um, there was one one screen. The seats were nasty. I'm sorry, guys. It was nasty. I was sticking to the floor, the whole thing. But they had like this huge, like my dad would say, go in the back because that's the only place they had this this container. They just didn't have the storage <laughs> for it up front. So you would go and get this huge. Here we are about butter again, you know. Oh, but yeah. I, I know I need to stop with that. But so anyway, this humongous, humongous thing would come out, and it was free refills if you could eat it all. And guess what? We would. Oh yeah. And then because you could just keep going, and then you're watching the whole movie, two hours of just constant hand to mouth, hand to mouth. Yeah, we go to the movie theater, and that's like my husband's favorite thing is like the oh. popcorn and and a soda. I do make him get the diet. I just don't tell him. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> and he doesn't even notice. There you go. He says if I don't tell him, he doesn't notice. Um, but yet we've usually eaten our popcorn before the movie has started. Oh, I know. I mean, like, it's just, and I'm like, wait, what What happened? Because it is. It's super mindless. But anyway, Sorry, so popcorn, yeah, popcorn is a weird one. But it is. like, And if it is one of those triggery kind of things for you, then maybe it is a good one for you to very much limit or avoid. Um, and know your know like okay if I'm measuring out my portion of popcorn that's it I'm having it and I'm done. What um, do you think about ice cream? I'll tell you why. I ask. I had my dear friend Joe from my she was my assistant up in Baltimore. Joe was a pretty brittle type one diabetic, and in, she would wake up in the middle of the night. Her dog actually was trained to be able to smell that when she was like oh, wow. ketotic. Yeah. Um, you could you, you could tell, um, and she would have these swings, and she had the whole monitor, the whole nine yards. But anyway, if she were woken up in the middle of the night because she had this, the alarms were going off, she would eat a Klondike because at least it would help her, and it had a little bit more fat in it. Would you agree with that? Normally, for somebody who's diabetic, you try to do a, just a pure carb to raise a low blood sugar because fat and protein slow that blood glucose response. Mm. So that's why usually diabetics will go for orange juice, yeah. soda, hard candies, glucose tabs, like just that simple carb because it raises it. Um, but those, I would say that probably because it's more like a liquid, you would still have that like decent blood sugar response and honestly if it worked for her then you know yeah she didn't want the wild swings perhaps yeah or she didn't want it to come up quite so quickly and maybe depending on what her low was you know maybe i don't know i mean if you're waking up in the middle of the night and needing it i would assume it's pretty pretty darn low but what um, do you think about it in a non-diabetic like ice cream as a snack and what do you also think about these like halo top ice creams these like lower car versions well i think that I, to me, a snack and a treat are two different things. Okay. So I think ice cream is a treat. It's something you have. It's like a little treat. It's sometimes, it's not every day. A snack should be more balanced. It should be hmm. like your protein and your, your carb. So again, like fruit and, and cheese, like your little charcuterie board, hmm. could be your little snack. So to me, and it's funny because I used to have people tell me back in my old job, oh, I don't really eat three meals a day. I just kind of have a snack. People would tell me they had two hot dogs as a snack. So I think that's a big distinction of, like, what does one consider a snack? Yeah, that's um, a meal, right? Yeah, I would consider <laughs> that a meal. Like, yeah, I just have, like, two chili dogs. That's not a snack, my darling. Oh, my gosh. Um, write down, okay, meal. Um, 
So to me, ice cream is like should be seen as a treat. And again, I love ice cream. I, I had it the other night. I think it's delicious, but I don't have it every single night. And I wouldn't consider it a snack. I would just consider it as like a little bonus. Yeah, I never. Th- I like. I like that. That snack versus treat. You're right because yeah. I think all of us eat a snack every day. At least a piece of cheese, a beef jerky, yeah, a, even chips or something. I don't know. Well, and to me, like again, chips like. Is that that's, really a snack? That's a treat. It's a treat. That's a treat category. Whoops, and I think this you, up. Yeah. But it, it's a mindset shift, too, on it of of then you can say, oh, I'm going to have a little treat. And it's not a cheat. It's not like, oh, I'm breaking my diet by having this. Like, I'm just having a little treat because I, you know, deserve a little oh, treat. Oh, you know how I feel about that. Yeah. I know. I mean, I, I just also like the treat. It's like. You know, sometimes you go to these amusement parks or whatever, and it's like, well, like you said, you could always validate this. I deserve this treat because I had a bad day or I had a great day and everything in between. It's like, well, I just got married and I don't have to fit into this tight little tiny wedding dress anymore. So I guess you could treat yourself every night. That's true. Oh, boy. Yeah. So it is. It's it's also about knowing yourself. But I think when you recategorize things out of like – a snack should be something like balanced and and whatever. Yeah, I screwed that whole thing up, guys. It chip, right. guys, is a treat. It there is not go. a snack. It's not a snack. Nope. Okay. So, so back our to complex. Snacks yeah. would be oh, something okay. maybe with a complex carb in yes, it. Yes. Yes. So when we think about our complex carbs, vegetables are a complex carb. They just are lower in carbs and they tend to have more fiber. And so when we talk about the net carbs, that that's kind of part of it. But yes. vegetables are primarily a carbohydrate food. And this is something else funny going off of this for a second. Whenever I ask people what I will I'll be seeing a patient and they'll I'll be like, you know, what what's a, a food with a lot of protein in it? And they'll be like, vegetables. Like really? very confidently. Oh. No. Vegetables are very low protein, guys. They have a little bit. Um, like, you know, you'll see like, like vegan. Like, like, well, yeah, there's different like soy based uh soy plants are are high in protein, but like You'll see charts of people trying to be like, well, you can get all your protein from vegetables and they'll be like broccoli. And it's like you literally have to eat like a gigantic plate of broccoli to get like what you would get from animal protein or even like beans or lentils or soy or something. It's just funny to see that. So they do have a little bit of protein in them, but predominantly they are a carb. Wow. And if you are wondering what is a protein, we had a five-part episode guide that um, is in our website, drxdietitian.com. If you go there, there is from episode three, lots and lots about animal-based, plant-based proteins, the importance of protein, what happens if you don't get enough, the whole macro concept. So we break down protein pretty well. So I would be a little bit upset if people just are still guessing guessing vegetables so confidently after um, all of those episode guys that we uh, hammered out there. I know. They got to go check them out. Totally. Okay. Um, So yeah, give me some other things. So so some other things. So fruit. Fruit's kind of a funny one because it's going to be a complex and a simple carb because it's going to have the fiber. It's going to have some of those more complex, but it's going to have the fructose as well. Oh. And so, you know, when we think again, going back to kind of athletes, a lot of times fruit is a great thing to have before a training session, before a, a race, before something that you need that kind of quicker carb or as a recovery as well. And fruit, oh my gosh, people ask me about fruit every day, all day. Can I? When can I eat fruit? Can I eat fruit? Can I ever eat fruit? What kind of fruit can I have? You can have any kind of fruit. There's you know, I don't think that obesity in general was caused by an overconsumption of fruit. Um, it's going to be, like I said, it's going to have some simple carbs in it, but it's also going to give you that fiber. It's going to help to balance your blood sugar. It's relatively low calorie. Um, 
but always try to pair it with a protein. That's the best thing you can do. So all not all fruits are also created equal. No. So the highest carb ones, and correct me if I'm wrong, I would say the highest carb fruit out there is a banana, which is coming in at a regular size banana. It's like 25 grams of carbs yeah, per serving, isn't it? 30 for a banana. Which could be, and we're going to talk about what you would recommend for your total amount of carbs per day, but... To me, that might be like, all right, like choose wisely. If you're not doing this aggressive, like, you know, um, training routine and all this exercise, like, I mean, a banana a day, would that actually maybe prevent you from losing weight? I don't think so. I think a lot of times, though, people don't tolerate a whole one either. Okay. Bananas have also gotten really big. So the same with like um, plantain, similar. Actually, I think plantain might be a little higher. Um, But... I, I always tell people, if you're worried about it, do a half of one. You know, just – they're they're really big. I don't know. I hate bananas, too. So I, just I hate bananas, too. It. Oh, my god! I hate bananas. I can't stand the smell of them. Me neither. Or um, the texture. Nothing about mm-hmm. it. Wow. Yeah. Look at us. I didn't I, know that I think it's because my name rhymes with banana, and I was just oh. called Hannah Banana too much in my life. <laughs> a lot of PTSD from that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I would say it's more about balancing it. And the other thing is it's always going to be looking at your whole day, looking at your whole week. Are you having a banana every single day and you're, like, not losing weight? And that's the only thing that you can think of that might be stalling your weight loss? Like, okay, maybe cut back on the banana. Yeah, but, I mean, you're right. It's, if they're so perfect and that's, like, the most naughty thing they're doing yeah. is consuming a portion of a banana. Yeah. No, that ain't not, it. That ain't it. You're right. Now, the next a very high, um, higher carb food that's a fruit rather is is grapes. Mm-hmm. So, ugh. and it's portion size of it. Get a small bowl of them. If you're finding that you're like, I want to eat like a a gigantic quantity of grapes all at once, it's probably because it's not filling you up. Because even though it has fiber, again, fiber is filling. Pair it with something with some protein, some fat, and that's going to help to fill you up Mm. so you can eat a smaller quantity, not have the blood sugar response like you would with just the plain fruit um, and have it. But again, I just – I don't see fruit as being like – the this issue. demon. No. I mean, in the best fruit, I think the lowest carb fruit, rather, I shouldn't say the best, like you said, mm-hmm. um, is berries. Is that yeah. accurate? Yeah. Okay, they're, so. the, they're the highest fiber. So, like, raspberries, uh, I think, are actually the highest. Like, if you look at their total carb to fiber ratio, like, berries are, like, 50% at least fiber. What's the first thing you think of when you think of a raspberry? The little... I don't know. They're just really cute. They're cute. You know what I think? I think they are expensive, man. Oh, yeah. Every time I think about raspberries, like, what a delicacy. Like, if Aaron, my husband, will buy, like, a container of raspberries, I'm like, who do you think we are? Like, billionaires here? Like, what is this noise? I mean, this is, like, so special. Frozen berries for that reason. And that is something I would always will tell people. Fresh, frozen, or canned. Doesn't matter. Hmm. Pick the one you like. Pick the one that's available to you. Berries aren't great year-round. So, yeah, especially if you're buying them off season, like you're A, you're going to pay a premium for them and B, they're probably not going to be very good because they're shipped from somewhere across the world where they are in season. And so by the time they get to you, it's not great. So pick up a bag of frozen fruit. I like the way you just said that. The frozen, canned or fresh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, I guess there is a lot of different ways. Yeah. You're so resourceful. We get stuck on fresh foods as being the best. Which, like you said, I mean, this stuff is expensive. It's sometimes not in season. I mean, we're in Florida, so we have a different, uh, there's a different variety down here than there is up north, that's for sure. Right, right. Yeah. So 
That would be, I would say, for fruit. And, like, personally, yeah, I love, like, a, a berry smoothie. I'm not a big fruit eater in general, to be honest. I don't like a lot of them. Berries are one that I do like, so I'll eat them. Okay, smoothies. Can we just pause there mm-hmm. for one second? Ooh, so what are your thoughts on smoothies, making them yourselves versus, like, Smoothie King? Okay, Smoothie King is garbage. Thank you. Hot, wet garbage on a sunny day. Ooh. That's, that's a, Josie that's and a, the Pussycats <laughs> quote. <laughs> that's a visual. Okay. Um. Yeah, no, the reason for that, if you ever go and look, everywhere has their nutrition facts online. Go to their website. It's the same with Planet Smoothie. Um, you'll see these, like, nutrition, like, huts or whatever that's just Herbalife. Um, go and look at their actual nutrition things. The Planet Smoothie, I looked at their, like, low-carb or their keto-friendly or something. It still had, like, 40 grams of carb in it. And I think it must be that they use juice to, like, as the base of the smoothie. And then they also, to that, add a bunch of fruit. They're also huge usually. Like, I was looking at, like, a 16-ounce one, which is probably – I know when I make a smoothie, I think I make it in a 20-ounce container. So, like, they're decently sized when I make them at home. But I'm using – I'm not using juice in it. And I think that must be how – or they add syrups or they do something. I know. And so, no, they're not worth your time, your money, or your your carbs for the day. Um, then they might cause dumping syndrome, to be honest. Oh, yeah. And they're also very – I haven't been to a smoothie place in a long time, but – they're like seven or eight bucks, I would imagine, by the time you add protein and stuff to it, which you would absolutely have to do if you were going to do it. But no. No, I mean, you're right. There's so many downsides of it. And my favorite thing is when I'm seeing a patient in follow-up and I'm just talking to them like, what do you eat for you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner and snacks and the whole thing? And and I'm like, man, your diet is like perfect, man. I don't get it. And then they'll, and then they'll say, well, I also do like the smoothie. And it's like mystery solved. Yeah. This is why you're stuck or you've even gained some weight, even though you're like, I, you're so frustrated. And right. I love that when I'm like, did you know this? And like, because people think that it's so good. And I, I remember, especially when I was in Baltimore and I was doing more in person, I would like spin the computer around and I would show them, yeah. like to your point, these nutritional facts. And you're like, I, I loved like almost like rocking people's world. But then it is almost kind of an addiction because it is a lot of like sugar. And so yeah. then like you're, you think you're being healthy, but really it's like just. Ugh. It's just good marketing. It's like so. Raisin Bran. Whoever did Raisin Bran's marketing to make us all think it was like good for us. I know. And it's like coated completely in sugar. I mean, it's brand cereal. That's but all I ate every sugar. day. I ate that. Between that, a Pop-Tart and a Toaster Strudel, man, I, that was like my upbringing. This West Virginia is a uh, little girl West over Virginia here sounding really <laughs> special. The 90s. Yeah, yeah, West Virginia in the ni- well, 80s. 80s. I'm older than you. Like, okay. Okay. Yes. All right. So we got our fruits. We got our vegetables. We got yes. our complex carbs. So tell us about that whole importance of fiber and the net carb calculation. Yes. So our other complex carbs would be our starchy vegetables. So potatoes. Um, why did I just forget all the complex carbs? <laughs> potatoes, corn, peas. Those would be starchy vegetables. Yucca would be a starchy vegetable. What is that? That is like – it's almost like a potato. It's used in like Central American, African cooking. Oh, okay. Um, It's – good usually a lot of times it's fried or it'll be in like a stew or something like that but it's kind of like a potato okay um it's actually higher in carbs than potatoes though Hmm. so again that would be a starchy vegetable it's a little bit more complex and same with you know when we look at those like again they're going to have the fiber in them so they may not have that same blood sugar spike something else that's interesting and i'm going to go a whole thing here is have you ever heard of resistant starch 
No. Okay. So resistant starch is almost similar in how it behaves as like fiber. I don't think it has the same GI kind of properties like benefits as fiber does. But when you have a resistant starch, it doesn't raise the blood sugar as much. And you can kind of create, you can kind of make things into a resistant starch. So if you cook potatoes, you cool them down, and then you reheat them, that makes that starch resistant. Really? Like something in the uh, the the process, and I don't remember it off the top of my head how that like works. But yeah, so a lot of like people will recommend, you know, if you're going to have something like potatoes, like cook them first, cool them, and then reheat them, and then it becomes a resistant starch, and you just kind of don't like have that same response. Wow. Yeah. Well, as somebody whose main form of cooking is microwaving, that is amazing. I mean, like, that's awesome. Yeah. I love leftovers more than regular food. More than the first time. I mean, yeah. There are some things I like leftovers and there are some things I like the first time. Yeah. For the most part, I love a good meal cooked in a microwave. I love a second day soup. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Or beans. Something that can, like, sit and, like... Oh, yes. Flavor up. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Okay. Interesting about this resistant yeah. carb thing. You kind of blew my mind about that. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll look more into it. We'll we'll research it. We'll yeah, nerd out we together. Need to, we need to like episode guide this, Instagram reel this, something. Yeah. So resistant starches. So then you were just talking about net carbs. And so basically the net carbs, so fiber is kind of another type of carbohydrate. Someone asked me this one time. They were looking at fiber supplements and- or I saw it on a post, they were looking at fiber supplements and they were like, I was going to get this one, but then I looked at it and it had so many carbs in it. But it's because fiber is a carb. And so it said like 10 grams of carbs, but it Mm. had like seven grams of fiber. So that's where all those carbs were coming from. And so when we talk about the net carbs, because fiber doesn't spike your blood sugar, it doesn't really provide calories to our body because we just can't really digest it very well. Okay. And so it pulls through. Again, it has a good GI like benefit. It helps both diarrhea and constipation. Just make sure you're drinking lots of water if you have a high fiber diet. And um, so when we look at the net carb calculation, if you look at your label, and this is where label reading is super important, you would see that total carbohydrate line. And that total carbohydrate line is going to count everything below it. So it's going to be total carbohydrate followed by dietary fiber, sugar, and added sugar. That's like what that would look like on a label that had all of those things. If it doesn't have, say, it doesn't have added sugar in it, I don't believe it has to have an added sugar line. Okay. They can eliminate that. Um, And so what you do is you look at that total carb and then minus the fiber. And that's going to be the most common that you're going to see. It's just total carb minus fiber will give you the net carb. And so that's what you would kind of count towards your day. So basically... Fiber gives you a little bit of a freebie on some of these foods. So it's like thinking about something like beans, that yes, they're a higher carb food, but they have so much fiber in them. Yeah. It doesn't have that same impact on your body. So you can probably get away with them a little bit more than say, even like, you know, like rice, for instance. Okay. Like it's going to be different because the rice isn't going to have, white rice isn't going to have that fiber in it. Um And then the other thing that you can subtract out, if it has it, and you're going to find these more in like diet products or things that are intentionally designed to be low carb, um, would be sugar alcohols. Ah, yes. So you'll see those in like like protein bars a lot of times. Um, And so that would be part of that. So you would do total carbs minus fiber minus sugar alcohols would give you the net carbs. 
they usually are going to calculate that for you on the front of that label. Oh, yeah. Because they that's want you to selling. know. That's yep. their selling point. So yep. Check out a Quest Bar to see what, exactly. what she's talking about. Yeah. So they're going to be like low net carbs. Um, and it's the same kind of thing. Like sugar alcohol doesn't have the same impact on your body like sugar does. It doesn't really provide. It provides like negligible calories. Um, and it also can give you diarrhea. Oh, well, <laughs> lovely, so, yeah. lovely. The combination of some fiber and mm-hmm. some sugar alcohols yeah. makes for a... So if you try those products and you're like, this isn't working, some people are more sensitive to them yeah. than others. Um, some people are fine. They just like, eat sugar alcohols all day long and no problem. But so I've definitely had patients be like, I had to learn the hard way. I oh, can I only eat a certain amount of... <laughs> Sugar alcohols. I remember, um, you know, I've heard some, from some people where their kids got into them. Oh, and yeah. And then, like, like um, the little kids will eat a Like Quest the sugar-free Russell Stovers or something, too. Oh, that's a good, that's yeah. a good example. And then it's like, why do they just poop their pants? Yeah. Like, whoopee. We just add a little too much sugar alcohols in the yeah. mix. Okay, so you have your total carbs. You subtract the fiber. You subtract the sugar alcohol. That gives you your net carbs. Yes. What is the recommendation for weight loss, weight maintenance, and gaining weight with that combination? Yeah. So I think for like a, a normal person, normal bariatric patient, we'd stick with about 50 grams of car- net carbs for that weight loss. Um, and so, again, that looks like, generally speaking, avoiding those very high-carb foods like the starchy foods, like the simple carbohydrates, even the starchy vegetables. Because, like, mm-hmm. potatoes are a high-carb food. Yeah. You know, they're not bad. And again, none of these, I don't like to label foods good or bad. Yeah. Um, But like potatoes, corn, peas, they're going to be much higher in carbohydrates. So trying to aim for that, which would look like having about, depending on how many times you're eating in a day, having between probably 10 and 15 grams of carbs per meal or snack. And so again, thinking about when you're doing that, you'd want to be pairing that with your protein. Your non-starchy vegetables, I really... I really don't count that. I don't know. I don't really count them as anything because I just I don't think you can overeat them except to that you get to the point where you're overly full. Um, so you'd really want to think about your your complex carbs like your fruit. And then another one I didn't touch on that has carbs in it, but it's also a protein source is um, dairy products. Mm. So dairy, again, is going to have that lactose in it and, and other sugars. And so dairy does provide um, carbohydrates too. But you'll find ones that are lower. It's a great place to look for added sugars, like in our yogurts. Try to avoid ones with that super high sugar content. But if you look at a yogurt and you're like, why does this have sugar in it? Like, I thought it was protein. Like, it's got both. It's yeah. fine. And that's why it's not ever going to be a zero-carb diet. And I, that's something I hear all the time. Not people wanting to be on a zero-carb, but wanting to be on as low as possible. Mm. And that's not going to be the sustainable or the best way to do it. You want a good balance. Yeah. So just pausing briefly on the yogurt. Mm-hmm. So tell me what brand names you think are the best bang for your buck. So it's a good balance of lower carbs, mm-hmm. still some sugars. We got it. But also that nice uh, protein. Um, honestly, the, the Greek yogurts, I think, are going to be the best one. Um, I know Chobani has the zero sugar. Okay. There's the triple zero, which is Oikos or Danon. Oh, yeah. One of those. Um, Ratio has a high-protein yogurt. Mm. Now, be careful because they also have a keto yogurt that is very high in fat and moderate protein. Um, But their their high-protein yogurt has like 25 grams because what they've done is added whey protein to it. Okay. I've never heard of that brand. Can you find it anywhere? Yeah, I've bought it at like Target, I think. 
Target? Tar- really? Le Target. Okay. Um, I buy like an Aldi brand yogurt because, again, you know I'm an Aldi queen. Um, <laughs> but they have a like a low sugar Greek yogurt that okay. I get. Plain Greek yogurt and then you can flavor it. Um is another option. So again, I was talking about the frozen berries. Yes. You can like microwave or cook on the stove, whatever you prefer, some frozen berries and they'll like release their juices and then you can add that to your yogurt. Works really well. Gosh. Gives it flavor. You can put something crunchy on it. Okay. I mean, that's a phenomenal snack. You said that your yeah. go-to, your favorite thing, the sour cream angle for the oh, Greek yogurt. Oh, yeah. There's yogurt. the sour cream for it, too. Yeah, Greek yogurt. That's like <laughs> Sorry your... to anybody who's lactose intolerant who ends up talking oh, to me because I am like yogurt, yogurt. Although yogurt has like lower lactose in it than like fluid milk. So some people can tolerate it, but not milk. Oh, that's a great point. Yeah. And sometimes after surgery, you feel like, man, I'm just not doing great with this. But that could be temporary. So mm-hmm. maybe revisit it after you've kind of recovered and healed yeah. a little bit more and you're uh, you're advancing your diet. Yeah. So something and it's better. got like the probiotics and things in it that are another benefit of, of yogurt. So. Yeah. No, that's perfect. So, okay. So how many grams then would you say net carbs again um, you really want to stick to? The 50. 50. For weight loss. For weight loss. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then let's say you're over 100. Is that definite weight gain or it just depends on what I your think, activity is? I think at that point it's really going to depend on the person. Again, like probably between that, you know, 100 to 150 might be might be a good range for somebody. Again, okay. if, you're some, if you're a big guy or if you have a lot of muscle mass that you need to feed more, you're going to need a higher end if you're a tiny little woman with low muscle mass or, um, you know, you're very inactive or things like that. You could potentially need, you know, between maybe 75 to 100. Again, it's going to be super variable. I think that key is going to be more about reintroducing carbs, higher carb content slowly. Okay. So really giving your body time to readjust to that higher carb, higher therefore higher calorie diet. Um, so going really slowly with it, seeing what works. Are you maintaining your weight and you're eating 125 ca- uh, grams of carb a day and it's working for you? Then great. Eat the 125 grams of carb. Are you starting to gain? Okay, maybe cut back a little bit or look at the quality of your diet. Are you doing a lot of, you know, Quest bars? Yeah. Maybe we need to switch some whole foods types, things like that. And then if you are somebody who is training or, again, endurance athletes, um, you're going to need a higher carb content. You know, I think that all that you just said is just why it's so critical to at least once, hopefully more than that, see a, see a dietitian mm-hmm. who specializes in medical nutritional therapy like you like you do, because there are so many considerations that it needs an individualized visit. And I often think that a dietitian is most helpful after surgery because you just don't know how your taste will change, how your what your activity level is going to be, what your special considerations are, um, you know, what you want your macro uh, d- distribution proportion to be, all of these things. And what your goals are, because, yes. you know, you might find that all of a sudden, you know, maybe you are working out a lot and you want to gain weight, you know, which you probably never thought you would want to do in your life. But maybe that's where you are because you can't like really cut fat and put on muscle at the same time. So a lot of times you have to do, you know, you'll see people who do like weightlifting competitions or bodybuilding competitions. They do the cut and the gain like cycles, which I don't know about all of that necessarily being the best choice. But you might have to increase and gain a little bit of weight so you can gain more muscle. And that's reality. Um, And then there's other considerations, like somebody who's a vegan. They may just have a higher carb diet. And if it's working for them, that's totally fine because 
you know, plant-based foods are going to be higher in carbohydrates than animal, you know, meat doesn't have any carbs in it. Right. And that's where, again, you really need to focus with a great dietitian on those plant-based diets that are, you know, for vegetarians and vegans and that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. So there's lots to consider here to make sure that you're getting all of your nutrients and all of that. Now, in the in the beginning of the episode, you had mentioned about research and nutrition. And I was a nutrition major as well. I did not get my, I did not do my internship and in, in, be, to become an RD, but did you do any basic science research? I didn't. I was not uh, like super into doing research. It wasn't my thing. Um, yeah, no, I wasn't. Yeah. I, I worked in a food lab or not like a food lab. It was like a, it was called the taste panel. This is a total aside, but basically my university worked with different food companies and we would do blind sampling of them. So we had this little room that people would come in and they'd sit at a little window and we'd push a little tray through to them and they would taste their little samples and then answer the questions on the computer. And then we'd send all that data back to the food companies. It was a lot of beverages that we worked with. Wow. Um, And so it was a lot of like, can you tell the difference between these two? Um, or if you could pick two out of the three that were the same, like as a triangle test, I think. Um, so, yeah, we did did stuff like that. So it was more food science. Yeah, I liked food science a lot. Too. Well, I was trying to get in med school. So I was like, you know, it was told to me you got to do some basic science. So anyway, my research was on the bench top research on vitamin A and how it was metabolized by the liver. And mm-hmm. it was like on like um, like RNA and like you had to like identify these things. I couldn't understand it at all. Like, yeah. and I was in that lab for years and God love these people and they tried to help me. And so this is a long story, but anyway, they gave me a, a she gave me like an A minus or something. And I was like, what? I need an A because that makes my GPA a little bit less. And I need like the scientific GPA. So whenever I argued, she brought me down to like a B minus. So that was like one of my <laughs> the biggest regrets of my life was like on this Just ridiculousness. Just the A minus. Yes. Yeah. We're on it. Like why? Aww. But anyway, so yeah, I mean, we could just keep going. I yeah. mean, this carb conversation, we're going to have, again, a lot of episode guides. So seriously, guys, subscribe. Go to drxdietitian.com and subscribe. And also make sure you're following us on an Instagram because this year year in all of 2023, we are putting a daily, a daily story, which we have on our 365 highlight. If you want to look back, a motivational quote, a tip, I'm sure we'll talk sometimes in there about nutritional things, about motivational things, about exercise things, about unrelated things, just in general, just that here's the date, here we are, and uh, make sure you follow us for more of that. I love it. And so, On a final note, carbs are not bad. Carbs are not the enemy. You will enjoy carbs again. You might go through a period where you have a very low-carb diet, um, but we don't want to scare you away from them. You will enjoy your favorite foods. Again, just it might look a little bit different, be probably a little less often in a little smaller quantity, but you can absolutely still have all of your favorite things. And like she said, follow us on Instagram at Dr. X Dietitian. Check us out at drxdietitian.com. And we'll see you next week. Bye, guys. <laughs>